How's it going, everybody? My name is Tom, and I want to welcome everyone to the You versus You podcast, where we talk about the battle that everyone must face day after day with themselves in order to obtain personal growth, health, as well as wellness. I am being joined by my brother, James, who is a creative performance coach that helps individuals get unstuck, create productive habits, and live their life on their terms. Today, we're going to be talking about using solitude, a term that normally has a negative connotation, to unlock massive gains in your personal growth journey. So James, I would love for you to give an introduction of yourself to everybody that's listening. Oh, geez. Um, I mean... I've been a photographer for the last 10 or so years, uh, transitioned in and out of that over uh, the course of the last three or so years between being photographer, graphic designer, digital artist, and just in the last seven months, moved over to Twitter to start writing and use that experience to help other people. Fantastic, man. Thank you so much. And I, I know that you told me that during that journey, being a photographer, being someone that owned your own business, you faced a lot of different issues or a lot of different problems that brought you into solitude than having to learn to sit with solitude in order to grow personally. Would you want to talk about that scenario a little bit more in depth as a Kickstarter for our conversation? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm from a small city in uh, the middle of Canada, like right in the prairies. So mm. as a concert photographer, like we're sort of the city that always gets passed over for a lot of bigger names. And uh, I always kind of joked that, uh, I guess with the friends I have now, I would always joke that um, I'm the furthest West person <laughs> that would be at a lot of these uh, bigger <laughs> events whenever I travel for work. But um, so a lot of the time as I got started in that, it was a very solo oriented journey and it was only after i think two or three years that i really started to kind of connect and find my pacing but even then it's still very like you're very on your own and i kind of thrive like that like a lot of people uh in this kind of work will i guess i mean you're on a team but i kind of thrive when i'm off on my own and most of my messages the next day will always be hey where were you were you at this artist to cover them. And it's like, no, I was standing beside you. You didn't see me. So I'm, I'm there. I'm just doing my own thing. <laughs> so I remember also you were saying during COVID that presented a really difficult challenge for you as well as your business. Did you want to talk a little bit about that situation and how it made you feel and then how you even sprung, sprung yourself out of that situation? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That was interesting. Um, I remember uh, must have been yeah early 2020 uh, we were we, there was one last event and then i think the next day the entire province went kind of into lockdown so oh, i went wow, from yeah. having a full calendar worth of things to do to having nothing to do overnight almost um so kind of just lived with that and sort of accepted that for what it was and then after a while just that sort of uh that creative itch like i need to do something yeah. took over um pivoted into trying to find remote work, but I mean, you can't really do too much because a lot of photography, you have to be in person. So I moved and started to teach myself design and then started to try and pick up other skills that I could do remotely. Um, it was difficult at first, but again, like I've kind of thrived throughout my life as sort of just like a solitude kind of person. So I know while a lot of people were not handling 
the lockdown and COVID very well. I was completely in my element and it was almost like a really great vacation in a lot of ways. <laughs> I mean, besides the whole like losing all the work and stuff, but uh, yeah. And then pivoting out of that, um, I mean, we only recently, I guess, globally kind of acknowledged like hey, it's done and over with, but um, what was that? Must've been summer 2021. That was, I guess, when I started to try and pivot out of it a little bit more, but uh, it it took a little bit of work to get back to. And I took, I guess, the bulk of 2021 off after running into a pretty good uh, situation with burnout or creative burnout. So, Ooh, interesting, interesting. That actually might be another interesting thing for us to segue into when, um, as we're talking here. But I find it really interesting that you're somebody that thrives in solitude because I believe I'm the opposite. I'm someone who who loves being out with people. I'm somebody who who thrives in social situations, not trying to like, you know, blow smoke. But I, I like being around people. And when we went into COVID lockdown, it was very difficult for me to confine myself like into my room and not be out and about and speaking to people. However, when the COVID lockdown did happen, I, I found myself having to sit with that solitude and learn to actually be in solitude. So being someone who's on the other side of the spectrum, I think that a lot of people use the term solitude and make it synonymous with loneliness. How do you draw the line between healthy solitude as someone who thrives in it, between feeling isolated and disconnected from people? Where do you actually find yourself drawing that line? That's a good question. Um, I I swear it was Jim Carrey that said something along the lines that solitude can be addicting and it's kind of dangerous in that way. Um, mm. So for myself, um, that's interesting. I think I've almost naturally been able to identify and like straddle that line. But if I had to define it, um, I think healthy solitude is intentional. And I think unhealthy solitude is something where it might be unintentional or you might be playing into it a little bit, but I, th I believe healthy solitude is something that you actively choose. Whereas, uh, the unhealthy side of it is, um, I mean, it could be like a story you tell yourself or limiting beliefs, or just even like a social situation or just some sort of other event influences how you, um, perceive the world and interact with it. And it might. I guess there's external factors that kind of weigh into it being unhealthy, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I really like that you use the word intentional when describing healthy solitude, because I completely agree. I think that a lot of the things that we do in life that are healthy are indeed intentional habits, intentional habits that then become subconscious and unintentional. I think that a lot of people have a hard time doing the intention doing the action at first so then it becomes subconsciously implanted in our mind to constantly do it just like physical exercise just like mindfulness just like meditation it's all things that you need to do intentionally for the back end to finally become unintentional so you're meditating every single day or every other day you're performing some sort of movement every single day if you don't have that intention and you're not living your life intentionally you're going to end up in a bad way and solitude is the same exact thing. If you're not doing it intentionally and you're doing it subconsciously, it is likely disseminating from some sort of 
maybe mental health issue or a physical health issue. You're in chronic pain, so you don't feel like being around other people. You have social anxiety and you're being a social recluse because you don't like being with people. So again, I really, really like the idea of healthy solitude being intentional and unhealthy solitude being unintentional. And again, being somebody who thrives in solitude, what would you say are some practical tips for individuals on how they can maybe even incorporate solitude into their daily routines? Oh, that's a good question. Like, you can tell you're good at this. Um, so I would say, <laughs> I think the easiest and most accessible way for lots of people would be to go for walks. I mean, go for walks without your Love phone. And I know a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, go for walks, you'll solve all these issues, you'll work things out. But there's a little bit more to it. And I know it's something as simple as just leaving your house and getting fresh air, but go for walks without a device and don't have any like time limit, no destination, no game plan, just go. And I mean, I don't wanna sound overly woo woo here, but just pay attention to things. I mean, it's, well, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, uh, went out for an evening walk around seven, seven thirty here where the sun was just starting to hit a lower angle. It's called golden hour. And if you're familiar with photography, that's sort of like when all the really good light happens, cause it's really dramatic and it's a nice no, color. I never knew that. Um, yeah, just sort of the angle that it, the sun hits everything that it's just sort of, I mean, if you go out, you'll, you'll understand, but, uh, yeah, just go out without any destination, no goals, nothing to do and just pay attention to things and it's sort of something you can only really do alone because you can take your time. You're not on anybody else's timeline. You're not waiting for somebody or they're not waiting for you. So it, it's really almost like, I guess, taking yourself on a little date for lack of a better term, but just, there's no, there's no destination in mind. It's just you and like what you see, what you notice. Yeah, it really is. I don't know. Have you ever read the book, the power of now? <sighs> I think I started into it and then put it down. So it's something I need to finish. Yeah, I I actually never read it, but I believe it was Josh, Josh Hicks that that recommended it to me. Or it might have been Nick. It might have been Nick Sherwood. But they talked a lot. Again, the book talks about the power of now. We go through life so subconsciously and consciously bothered by everything around us. So when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, you're thinking about your commute to work. When you're on your commute to work, you're thinking about the work that you need to do when you get there. When you're doing the work at your job, you're thinking about what you need to do when you get home. The power of now is all about bringing that back, sitting in the moment. When you're brushing your teeth, you should be thinking about how the bristles feel against your teeth. You should be thinking about the taste of the toothpaste. When you're when you're driving on your way to work, how does the road feel? What does the music sound like that you're listening to? And the power of now is a very, very, very strong tool when combating mental health issues because anxiety is living life in the future and depression is usually living life in the past. So if you can harness the power of now, it's going to be so much easier to break yourself out of that, that mental reprieve and live your life the way that it should be. Because the only moment that truly exists is the moment that you're, you're living in in this very moment. And I think that that even draws back really nicely to our solitude conversation. Do you ever find yourself in a moment where you're in solitude and you're using that solitude to foster the now moment, just sitting there, 
being with yourself and again allowing yourself to have your own thoughts oh no absolutely i mean that walk that i was talking about going on last week or a couple of weeks ago now um it was i mean just living where i am it's the prairies so we get full extreme like the full spectrum of weather temperatures here so it'll be minus 40 degrees celsius in the winter and then plus 40 degrees celsius in the summer so like late june uh that once the sun starts to dip the air temperature cools a lot and all the birds all the bugs everything sort of comes back out from sheltering from the afternoon heat and just walking i mean everybody's at home eating supper spending time with their families you kind of have the street or like the walking path to yourself and it's this really beautiful sun and it's you can watch birds like skip through the shadows or the light kind of skimming mm -hmm. through the trees and just like little blips of shadows of birds or i think i was kind of standing there looking at the way this uh like single lines of like uh spider silk was kind of like strung up between trees like not a full web but they were starting and then just listening to the birds come out and start to chatter a little bit more than they were at midday so it's just you walk and you get to notice these things that you otherwise wouldn't pay attention to if you've got a phone in your hand or if you're focused on getting somewhere on time mm -hmm. so it's these little moments of just it's you your thoughts and like what you notice and maybe it's just the photographer that i've trained into myself but you uh you just stand there and you get to look at all these moments and it's like kind of like visual poetry in a way because mm -hmm. that's basically what it is yeah man i i love that and honestly the way that you described it i can tell that you're you're a very mindful person you know using words like spider silk or using the words like seeing the birds skip across the shadows i could tell that you're you're a very mindful person intentionally and when you're sitting with things, even, and I don't mean physically sitting, but I mean like, you know, sitting with yourself when you're going on your walks and you see the things around you that your, your brain processes things in a very creative manner. And that's honestly something that I can really appreciate because creativity is a muscle that I've had to develop being a content creator, even though I, I don't know necessarily if I like calling myself that, but, uh, it was a muscle again that I had to train, you know, thinking about the tweets, thinking about all these things that I have to do. And it probably took me about three to four months to break out of that mindset that like, oh, I need to sit down and think about the things that I, I want to tweet. Instead, now I just share my life. You know, I'm out on a walk. I want to take a picture of the walk. I want to share the insights that I gained while I was on the walk. I just finished a workout. How did I feel after that? You know, how do I feel during the workout and share it with the people around me? So like living an intentional life unintentionally allows you to be more creative and, and share with other people. So that brings me to a question that I've actually wanted to ask you that I, I wrote written down on my notes. In what ways do you find that solitude fosters creativity and can you share an example either from your coaching experience or from your personal life? Solitude foster creativity. Um, I'm a big believer that creativity kind of thrives on having constraints. Um, I mean, I started, I'll just use my photography uh, life, I guess. Um, when I first started, I mean, I'm pretty sure other people can relate to this. I was a little apprehensive not scared but just like shy about taking my camera out in public during the daytime because i always feel like i don't want to be the person being like oh why why is he taking pictures of me yeah yeah um, so a lot of my uh initial photography walks were done like well after dark so it was always just me um next to nobody else out there and 
the limits and the constraints that night photography puts on you, you're limited to these little pools of light or wherever the city planner decided like people would need a light source. So you get very set constraints and very set locations you can work with. Um, I guess another way solitude kind of fosters that is, um, you're not, again, like you're not really working on anybody's timeline. You're working like with yourself, with your thoughts. If you're not feeling something, you can move on. You're not waiting for somebody else. If you have an idea or you want to stop for something that you drive past, you can stop and do that. It's just sort of, it's a little bit like there's freedom, but there's freedom in the constraints in a way. Yeah, I, I, I do understand that. So when you say constraints, do you mean more so constraints set by other people because you want to create within the parameters that that other people set maybe in like a specific um, social dynamic? Or do you mean constraints that you personally set for yourself so that when you create things, it's intentional and it's around specific things that you feel are your creative box? I hope that I'm, I'm skewing up that question correctly. No, no, that does. You did. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. So uh, going back to that previous example of just walking around at night, I mean, the constraints are environmental. So like you have no control over them. It's just sort of whatever lights are out there, if the lights are working. Um, and then the constraints you set yourself. I mean, with photography, like every single photographer that's ever existed and will ever exist has the same four walls of a photo to work within. So it's just how you arrange those things. Um, but there was a photo series I did of just like double exposures of trees on film where the constraint I set myself was you take one picture, you walk for like five minutes and you take another picture of a tree to double expose over a tree that was nowhere near the first one. So it was just sort of like kind of turning it into a game in a way, but, uh, mm. just, it also kind of forced you to think differently because you'd stop after five minutes and then you had to work with whatever you had in front of you. So interesting. That's really interesting. And I think that that even plays into the idea of mindfulness and living in the now moment, right? When, when you're only able to work with the things in front of you, like a profession such as photography, if you're constantly thinking about the next shot, I don't believe that your current shot will come out as good and as well as it's supposed to. Is that, is that something that you've noticed maybe yourself when you, you find yourself maybe a little bit distracted or, or you're not feeling in the now moment, you're not necessarily in the right mindset to do a photography shoot. And then you, you look back and you're like, oh man, that probably could have came out a little bit better if I was just a little bit more present. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely something that's factored in. I mean, thinking about that now, it's not something I've really thought about over the years, but, um, I have, it's kind of a weird compliment, but I have been told before because like at, at large events or music festivals because that's most of the photo works that i do now i'll kind of sit on the outside of the crowd and just sort of like get a feel for like how the crowd's moving like what the music's doing like what the rhythm is so i can kind of pace out i guess like when a peak moment is gonna appear because with electronic music it's pretty predictable you got the same very repetitive rhythms but um when i do kind of get something or figure something out i'll go move to a spot and then i'll just wait for the shot that I kind of have in mind and kind of mm. line everything up. And then I just wait for the human element to come in. So it's, uh, um, it is very much like in the moment and I do, or sorry, I have, uh, kind of thought ahead of while I'm taking one shot, I'm like, Oh, I have to be somewhere else soon. And that usually ends up not being a photo that I use, but everything else, I definitely try to, uh, 
definitely try to be in the moment and work on just that one image. And then once I've got it, then I let myself move on. Very interesting. So I really like that you brought up the idea of the, the human element. And I, I believe this also plays really nicely into our conversation about solitude. Because I believe that humans are inherently connected and crave social interaction. So how do you, as somebody who likes being in solitude, balance that need between the inherent need for human connection and social interaction versus the solitude that you would normally seek? Um, I guess it's good to kind of mention, like, I'm not a full-on recluse. I mean, right, I guess right. it kind I of happened <laughs> for a little bit, but uh, balancing that, it's um, like, I do value the connection. Like, that's important um, because... I mean, again, just going back to the whole photography thing, the way you take photos of people is sort of you're interacting with them in their space in a way. And um, you're just kind of taking pictures of like the space between you and them. So it's always a relationship that way. Um, and then balancing it with other people kind of socially, it's a... Uh, I mean, I guess people, my friends have just sort of gotten to know me that like, I'll like come and hang out with them and socialize at an event or something or just an outing, but then I'll go do my own thing and they just kind of expect it. But I'll, I mean, I'll obviously let them know. It's just a, uh, I don't like to be overly tied to just like one kind of social group. I like to just sort of like go and observe and like do my own thing. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that that in and of itself helps feed the need for social interaction, right? You you have your you have your set tribe of individuals, which I talk about all the time, you know, building your tribe, finding that core group of individuals, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, branching out and meeting a lot of other people. And I even believe that solitude is important for your social interactions because of this whole idea of like a social battery, right? I believe that everybody has different social batteries and what their capacity is and how much they need to recharge it. And allowing yourself to go into solitude helps you prevent burnout, just like you were talking about before. You can socially burn out 100%. I, I've found myself socially burning out, even though I am a very outgoing person who enjoys being with different people. Just yesterday, I had to go to three different family occasions one for my partner so i had to go to my girlfriend's i believe it was her cousin's second birthday party so i was at the second birthday party and i was you know interacting da, 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 da. then i had to go to my sister's gender reveal party right after that and then i had to go back and then you know you kind of have like the family after party with everybody that was already at the party so that was probably like 12 hours straight of just like pure social interaction and when i got back home i was like oh my god like i just hit my bed and i crashed and i was like done and that was that was also why i wanted that like extra 15 minutes just to kind of get my mind in the right mental space and then you know springboard myself into these these podcast recordings so what do you think about using solitude to recharge yourself was there was there a specific situation and i believe that you even said that you had experienced burnout at one point did you find that being someone who's able to sit with solitude helped you come out of burnout faster than maybe somebody else would have came out of burnout and do you have any bringing the idea back to practical tips practical tips on how someone can use that solitude to bring themselves out of burnout um 
that's that's interesting um i think with the burnout i experienced it was a combination of a lot of things but um mostly just uh i found my creative work wasn't really aligned where i wanted it to i wasn't able to really get traction with a couple of other creative projects and uh like other um uh i guess yeah just creative projects and it eventually just sort of led to me trying to work harder and work through it. And then that obviously just, you grind yourself down and you burn out. Um, the solitude did help, but in those situations or in that situation, it was something that I wanted, or sorry, something that I did want was to, uh, I guess, just sort of talk with more people, talk with other creatives and just sort of like get their read on like how they manage these kind of situations. Uh, the solitude did help when combined with journaling, because if you mm. just sit with yourself or spend too much time with yourself without uh, like unspooling your thoughts, it gets, I don't want to say it gets worse, but it doesn't do anything positive for you. So as far as actionable tips go, like by all means use solitude, uh, leverage alone time with no goals or anything, but um, make sure that you use journaling as a way to still socialize, I guess, but just with yourself. That's super interesting. Wow. I, I never thought of journaling like that. I started a journaling habit probably around three to four months ago. And it really is a dialogue with yourself. And I find that really interesting because journaling can be used as a very powerful tool when you're in a deep moment of solitude and then bridging the gap between solitude and mindfulness, right? You're, you're almost using journaling as an internal connect the dots so you can bring all these thoughts that you have when you're in solitude out of the ethereal and into the, the physical world, right? So then you can action upon those thoughts. You can action upon the things that you journal, and you can even use your journal as a grounding point to not allow yourself to become one of those, like you said, like a social recluse, right? <laughs> yeah. And I also, uh, one other point that I wanted to bring up, we, we are talking a lot about how solitude can be used for personal growth, but I want your opinion on, do you think that solitude can be used for more than personal growth? And maybe it's even a little bit about living life on your own terms. Is that, is that fair to say? And, and what do you think about that? Hmm. So solitude is a way for like growing interpersonal relationships with other people? I would say that and then also, so solitude can be used, yeah, for yourself to grow personally. But what about just living life on your own terms, right? Maybe there isn't an intention to only use solitude to grow, but like, hey, like, you know, I want to establish a routine. I want to be the best version of myself. So I'm going to live life on my own terms and not on the terms that other people set for me. Oh, no, absolutely. Um I mean, solitude is a great way yeah, to work on yourself, get comfortable with yourself. I mean, not many people want to admit it, but you're stuck with yourself in your own head for as long as you have the conscious ability to do that. So yeah. you've got to make that a really good relationship. Otherwise, it's not going to be fun. Um, as far as growing beyond that or other benefits to that, uh, yeah, no, I fully say that solitude has a lot of potential in getting comfortable with just doing things on your own. A lot of people need mm. somebody else to go out with. They need somebody else to go eat with. They need somebody to go do 
whatever with travel with. And if you sit there waiting for other people, you're going to be waiting a long time, especially if your social circle isn't that type of person. So getting comfortable with yourself and getting comfortable being alone and not worrying about being judged for being alone or on your own, it opens up a lot more things because you can, like, I mean, a lot of people do go to the gym alone, but I know some people need a partner to go with or just somebody to keep accountable with. And once you get comfortable with that solitude, then yeah, you like life opens up in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that in our, in our modern hyper-connected world, it's very difficult for people to sit with solitude. And then that presents a lot of challenges when someone's faced with it. Cause you don't know how to sit with yourself. You don't know how to be mindful. Your brain needs to be constantly distracted and you constantly can't sit with your own thoughts. And then when you're put into this situation where you have to, let's say that you break up with a significant other, you lose a friend, you very unfortunately have a death in the family of someone that was close to you. You are going to be stuck in a mental lull a lot longer than somebody who intentionally sits with solitude and purposely disconnects from our hyper-connected world. So what do you think are even some common challenges or barriers that people face when trying to cultivate solitude in their lives, especially in what I mentioned before, our hyper-connected world? Um, challenges people could face. Uh, I mean, just like you said, like it's it's there's distractions available everywhere. And then just the habits everybody has either with devices or just being online, it's, it can be an unconscious thing to just reach for your phone or reach for, yeah. or just go sit in front of your computer or throw on YouTube or something. Um, so that's one challenge for sure. And I think the other one is at least from talking to other people, they assume there's not really, I don't want to say it's like a spectrum, but they always assume you have to go from zero to almost social recluse or like mountain hermit to deal with or work with solitude. But, um, and like, as a result, they either don't do it or they try that. And then they, I guess in a weird reverse social burnout kind of way, just burn out from being alone or trying to be too alone too fast. Because if you're used to being connected, if you're used to socializing and just having devices all the time, you kind of have to build that muscle up of being comfortable with that solitude. Yeah, I wonder if there's, and this would be interesting for me to look into if there's any clinical studies about this, but I wonder if prior to our world being hyper-connected like it is now with the cell phones and social media and constantly just in your face, in your face, in your face, if there's some sort of direct correlation to mental health issues lasting longer clinically, you know, being clinically diagnosed with anxiety for five years as opposed to three in, you know, let's say the 1940s, 1950s, as opposed to now, I, I would I would find like a meta analysis of that to be very interesting. But bridging back to that point that you just said before, like you said that a lot of people see solitude is very black and white, right? It's either you're you're out at a bar with 100 people, or you're um, <laughs> I started, I tried to hold back my laugh when you said that you have to be like a mountain hermit, right? So my question to you is, does solitude look the same for everyone? And if not, how would you explain the spectrum of solitude to somebody who sees it as black and white? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
right off the top, I'm going to say, no, it's not going to look the same for everybody. Um, some people would be very comfortable sitting at home. I mean, I, I consider reading as like a solitude thing. Like technically you are distracted, but it is a solitary activity. It's mm -hmm. a way to spend time alone with yourself. Um, and then like other people, yeah, like you might just need to go, like go for a long walk, go for a hike, just go do something and like do activities on your own. So solitude could be kind of more towards like a social end where you're solitude, but in public and like in generally like otherwise social settings, or you can be solitude where you are entirely on your own and just with your thoughts and just with nature kind of thing. Mm, interesting. I, I like that you brought up the topic of reading because I feel like that's a very Maybe not so much now because I, I do feel like reading is making like a comeback, quote unquote. I see a lot more people talking about it, uh, which is great because, you know, reading is, is extremely important. But do you have any resources, maybe books that you've read, articles that you've read, podcasts that you've listened to that delve further into the importance of solitude or the idea of solitude in personal and creative growth? As far as books go, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head um actually just one sec let me turn around sure sure <laughs> um no no i can't think of any books off the top of my head um yeah that's interesting i'm trying to think how i even i mean unless it was just sort of like a natural thing as like doing the whole photography thing i guess learning how to be more comfortable with yourself you could probably start with like mindfulness books or I know there's, I don't remember the name of the book, but I know there book, there are books out there on like walking meditation, uh, like Buddhist style walking meditations. And that would be a good place to start because it starts to train you just to pay attention to like the way the ground feels under your feet and the way your breath is and just how to kind of pay attention to your mind when you're walking, which I mean, sounds pretty, I guess, elementary on some levels, but, uh, it is, that would be a good starting spot for some people that do need some structured guidance. Um, there is a documentary that, I mean, I haven't seen yet, but I have like a lot of confidence that it would help illustrate this as well is, uh, I believe it's called in no great hurry. It's a kind of like a documentary biography on the late Saul Leiter, who was a photographer in New York city. He pioneered color photography back in the fifties. And he famously said that he was grateful for having lived his life being mostly ignored because if he was raised to a celebrity status as a photographer or like celebrated while he was alive, he wouldn't have been able to have the same solitude and ability to just sort of go unnoticed and take the pictures that he did. So he's always been interesting to me a because I like his work and b just his philosophy on oh, what is it I don't think he really strayed outside of a couple neighborhoods in New York his entire life oh, so wow. he made an entire body of work that has lasted the last 70 years just in a couple of neighborhoods in New York that's very that's really interesting and you know that that idea of not being celebrated when you're living and breathing and then the idea of being celebrated detracting from your personal experience and maybe again living life on your own terms i find it really interesting how in our modern day and age now the idea of being celebrated the idea of constantly being connected the idea of being someone who has a really strong social media presence is in fact pushed like 
having a million followers on Instagram or something like that, right? I don't think that somebody who has that many followers, maybe save for a, a couple of individuals, really understand all of the negatives that comes with having such a large social media presence and being so well known. You're not able to just go out and, and enjoy life and experience life as you would like it because you constantly have people trying to get in touch with you. You have people that maybe recognize you in public and you can't go out without having somebody in your face wanting to take a picture with you. So I, I do find it really interesting that the idea again of being celebrated when you're when you're alive and and you're you're living and breathing, it, it comes with this misconception that that's going to be able to unlock so much more for you. When the reality of it is is that that might pigeonhole you within a box that you may never be able to break out of. You know, mm -hmm. if Tom the brain battery tomorrow got I don't know I went viral and I wound up getting a million followers. What effect will that have on my everyday life? right? I probably wouldn't be able to have the solitude and the personal time and, and the mental health awareness that I have now, because I would have to constantly be keeping up with being in touch with people, growing my brand, da, 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 da. And I wouldn't be able, again, I feel to be as mindful as I am right now. Do you think that, would you agree with what I just said? Having like a large social media presence detracts from personal growth in a way? Oh, no, it's something that I've kind of maintained for years with social media and just like a influencer or micro internet celebrity status is uh, once you hit a certain level of followers or just, uh, I guess, notoriety online, it almost throws you into or onto a treadmill that you are basically locked onto. Because once you hit a certain social status online, you're expected to upkeep appearances, you're expected to upkeep posting and this, that, and the next thing to keep that machine running. And it's been interesting watching people or coming from Instagram, moving onto Twitter and watching people talk about uh, building their way to digital freedom with hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. When in reality, there's no freedom when you are that big, because you're being exposed to so many people and so many people have access to you. It's there's freedom in solitude. 100%, but I don't think there's freedom within these large followings. And it's almost not ironic, but like almost unintentionally hypocritical. I don't think they understand that chasing these large followings or building these huge monstrous brands detracts from their ability to actually have the freedom that they started chasing in the beginning. Yeah, that that is really interesting. And I, I like the way that you ideated that it kind of puts you on it puts you on a treadmill that you never actually get to hit the stop button on, right? It's like the stop button's broken and it just slowly ticks up every single every single week, every single month. And you just have to keep running and running and running. And yeah, it, it, the very the very freedom that they seek tethers them to something that they can never actually be fully free from. And I, I really, really like that idea, genuinely. That's something that I would Honestly, I would I would love to sit down and think like more of in depth. Yeah, yeah it's no, really it's, cool. Uh, it, it's it's been something that I've just kind of held in the back of my mind for years. And yeah, coming to Twitter, it's been like you're talking about freedom, but I don't think you understand that you're on a treadmill and you don't have the control button in front of you anymore. The algorithm does. Yeah, the out. Yeah, yeah, and you you're you're giving yourself completely to a the followers that are following you. And B, you're giving yourself completely to that social media platform. People that build those those massive brands on Twitter or build those massive brands on Instagram, 
if something were to happen tomorrow, Instagram servers were to go down permanently, Twitter were to were to, you know, Twitter HQ fell off the face of the earth, it got brought into another dimension, you'd be screwed, right? All that, all that, uh, you know, building your personal brand and this and that and this and that, if people don't recognize you outside of that platform, you're in big trouble, right? And then all of a sudden that that so-called freedom that you had, you realize that you were actually locked inside of a cage and you're going to get dragged down with the machine. And then on the flip side, if that were to happen, once you kind of came to terms that that happened, you would have the freedom that you were chasing originally. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it's almost like a, it's like the ultimate oxymoron. Is that the, is that the right word to use for that? Let, let's run with that for now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't have the dictionary in front of me yet. <laughs> well, man, as we're, as we're breaking over 40 minutes now, I wanted to give you one final time to just say, if you could leave anyone that's listening right now with one key takeaway about the power of solitude in personal growth, what would it be? How would you tie it all up in a neat box and let somebody have it their all? Um, what is it? Um, let me just try and find something here. Of course, please take your time. Uh, I'm not going to take too much time, but... Um, ba -dum -bum -bum. Yeah, you know what? I can't find it right off the top of my head, but... I believe it was Saul Leiter that said seeing is a neglected enterprise and as creators or even just developing yourself, having that solitude or developing a habit of solitude gives you the ability to see in the way that he's talking about there, because when you get to know yourself and spend more time with yourself, you get to see yourself and you get to see a lot of other things more for what they are because you're not participating you're not on that treadmill. You're not participating in those games directly at that moment. It's just sort of a little reprieve from the social media game or just the social game or the economic game. It's just you and yourself and you can kind of get some distance and actually see things for what they are. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent way to tie it off, man. I think that using solitude as a transformative experience so that you can get off the crazy treadmill that is life and the the things that tether you to everyone and everything around you being so hyper-connected is the best way to be mindful. It's the best way to figure out who you are so then you can be the best version of you for everybody around you. And that's what the idea of you versus you is all about, right? Being 1% better every single day, building yourself up so then you can then build those around you, filling up your cup as far as you can so then you can pour into other people's but then the only way to really refill that cup is for you to sit in solitude let that cup refill so then you can go and be the best version of you for again everybody around you so i want to thank everybody for listening james thank you so much for joining me and i want to thank everybody listening if you did enjoy the podcast i would love for you guys to leave a five-star review for us check us out on spotify on apple the full video podcast is going to be uploaded to twitter as well as youtube now so thank you again everybody for listening